1: Sit boo boo, sit boo boo, sit. Err, Good
0: That's some bad hat hair.
1: It's a cool
2: <laughs> you get any of that?
0: Not a doctor. Shh.
2: Bye, now if I'm Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Ted Lasso Season 2. Damask Leary, how you doing?
3: Oh, I'm extremely hungover, Brad. How are you? <laughs> I'm
2: not too bad. Thanks for joining us, considering that. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode of the show, not, not not because most of all that we're reviewing Ted Lasso System 2, which I'm really looking forward to, but we are also live streaming this on Twitch for the first time ever, just giving this a go. Consider an experiment. Mm. Consider it a test Uh, so apologies if there are any like changes in audio quality or mess ups or anything like that for normal podcast listeners. Thank you to everybody who is, uh, hanging out in chat with us as well. Uh, you guys, please participate as well as we go along. You got any comments or questions or anything you want to add, we'll do our best to include as we go along. This is going to be a fun little experiment before we get to our review proper. I did want to go through a couple of quick news items that have come up this week that by the time we get to our next off topic, hot topic won't be relevant anymore. This is just very, very quick. Number one, Cowboy Bebop, the original anime series, is coming to Netflix worldwide on October 21st. This is exciting because this is a show that everyone should watch. And it looks like Netflix is interested in trying to get people to see the anime or give them the opportunity to see the anime before the live action show premieres in November. How do you feel about that, Damask?
3: Um, cool. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I have no attachment to this show, so I don't know. It's my answer to you, Brad. How do you feel, more importantly?
2: I'm excited for people like you. Are you going to use this as an opportunity? Can you fit it in? Try and watch Cowboy Bebop before the live-action TV show? Or, actually, I think since I've seen the show and you haven't, and we're planning to review the live-action show, maybe don't watch it until after the live-action. Mm. I feel
3: like we have had that discussion before where I was just not going to.
2: I think well, that was the plan. Let's go it. with that. Yeah. for anyone else, the option will be there very, very soon on yeah. Netflix.
3: Also I also think to we're gonna do that for the new Sex and the City show as well because I watched you've all you've it.
2: watched it and I've watched, and
3: you've only seen the second film, second movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah this will be a little exchange. Yep, that
2: cool. should be very interesting. Uh, also, want to announce or just put it out there that Doctor Who series thirteen has a premiere date of October thirty first. That'll be the first episode of a six episode season, I believe, for series thirteen. Uh, which will be Jodie week as last apart from three specials, which will take place over next year. And then there'll be the new doctor and the new Shona Rana, as we've talked about in off topic, hot topics, mm-hmm. let's not wait any longer. Let's get to our spoiler free review of Ted Lasso season two. Let me clue you in season in review. Ted Lasso Season 2 finds the Richmond FC on an incredible streak of drawn matches and facing new off-field challenges on their journey to a Premier League Championship. Is it just a matter of sticking to the plan, or will some outside assistance be required for the Greyhounds to achieve the ultimate glory? The off-screen and on-screen talent remains mostly the same, with the most notable addition being that of Sarah Niles a sports psychologist Dr. Sharon Fieldstone. Ted Lasso Season 2 consists of 12 episodes, which is two more than Season 1, and notably added to the series order relatively late in production. Each ranging in runtime from 30 to 49 minutes, and took us approximately 7 hours and 45 minutes to watch. Ted Lasso will return for a third and perhaps final season, presumably in 2022, though after winning four Primetime Emmys last month, including the award for Outstanding Comedy Series, I imagine Apple wouldn't mind it to go a little longer. Damask, before we get to our spoiler-free review of Ted Lasso Season 2. Could you please remind Mm. the listeners what you thought of Season 1?
3: I loved it. (laughs) Uh, It was during, back in the day when I lived in old Melbourne town, and it was, you know, the good old days of maybe lockdown number two. Um, Yeah, I think it's just the kind of show that I needed. It felt like a nice hug. Um, It was full of beautiful people, those willing to learn how to live life in a better way. It's just, It was beautiful. It made me cry. It made me laugh a lot. Yeah, I was a huge fan.
2: I'm nostalgic for lockdown season two. Though it was announced today (laughs) that we're coming out of uh, lockdown six uh, Mm. next week. So we're finally getting there. I've already got my first uh, pub, Palmer and Pint booked, which will be nice. Uh, Yeah, very similar thoughts. Very similar thoughts utterly adored season one of ted lasso after lots of people telling i mean just saying forever that was a great show and me thinking nah this comedy about a soccer team which is a sport i care nothing about won't do it for me but completely sucked in watched the whole thing in about one weekend and i i believe the term i used as i was talking about my love for it is i gushed about it in our review. (laughs) it made me uncomfortable
3: then it makes me (laughs) uncomfortable (laughs) now
2: very moist and it still very much is with all that in mind, Damas, could you please give the listeners your spoiler free review on Ted Lasso season two?
3: I can, but I am, I'm nervous.
2: <laughs> Here we go. Ooh, okay. Uh,
3: mostly because I just feel like I'm going to stuff up my reading of my review. And also, oh. like, so this I is feel- exciting.
2: This is exciting mm. for listeners of the show. We aren't actually 100% great at, at doing this seamlessly and sometimes there'll be mistakes. They get edited out. People who listen Every to the time podcast- There are
3: huge mistakes. Yeah, yeah. After
2: the fact won't get that. You get to see how shit we are at our jobs. After you, Damask. Mm.
3: <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Okay, all right. So, upon first watching, I think it is hard to see the forest for the trees in season two. With each episode, I started wondering what we were doing and where we were headed. There aren't clear markers, or they weren't clear to me anyway, of where the conflict I think is coming from. And at times for me, that was concerning. Uh, for all the smiles and sweetness, there is an undercurrent of fear, anxiety, and even anger this time around. Um so I think they kind of asked the questions, what does it mean to be the happiest guy in the room all the time and what does it feel like to spend your days with the happiest guy in the room? Um, so sure, it, it sounds good, but this season we explore the bad side of that and what all of that means. And by the end of the season, I was into that exploration and where they might be taking it in the future. Um, don't, don't get me wrong, by the end of this season, I was fucking furious. <laughs> but I really enjoyed... Uh, What I had been through, I guess, what we had all been through. Um, But throughout the season, there were moments where I was really confused as to what we were doing. Uh, There were some things I loved this season and some things I didn't love. So I'm just going to start listing them, shall I? So I love the relationship between Roy and – I'm not going to spoil anything for people who haven't watched the show. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to call her the girl. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) Roy and the girl are you know, polar opposites – And loving one another takes so much effort and learning. But by golly, they do it. And it's beautiful to watch. Like, it just put a smile on my face every time I saw them together. You know, they're not perfect, but it's so nice to see two people come together with respect and empathy to overcome their own personal issues. And it's just, it's fucking beautiful to watch. It makes me want to cry. Um, This season, Ted is dealing with some really heavy shit. We get a couple more layers to this beautiful man. I don't think we're done with that though. A simple acknowledgement of trauma isn't enough. And I think next season we're going to see the real work begin, which I'm excited for. Now, there were some things that didn't quite work for me this time around. I think the, the super duper silliness was a little too super duper sometimes. Mm. Um, I find the wide-eyed stupidity of 99% of the players hard to enjoy a little bit. You know, I'd love to get to know them more instead of them just being something to laugh at. It's getting a little one-note. Um, there's also a new relationship, new romantic relationship that, you know, I, in my opinion, and I think should be in everyone's opinion, is wildly unethical. Sure. <laughs> like, insanely unethical. Mm. Um, and for all of this shows is virtue and goodness, right? And wanting to explore, you know, the nuance around those things and the choices we make and how that can define us. They don't seem to see that relationship the same way I do. And mm-hmm. they, so far, they definitely don't want us to dwell on it or to explore it as being something that is incredibly unethical. So that was weird for me. That seemed like a, a big blind spot. But for the most part, I really enjoyed this show. Full of characters that I love and was happy to see again yeah I really enjoyed it and that is my review and can I say I nailed it I nailed you it did no mistakes <laughs> thank
2: you smashed it in fact the only mistake that was made was at my end where I accidentally cut your mic for a few seconds there but everyone let me know about it pretty quickly so I fixed okay. that so uh, cool. hey go back and listen to the, the recorded version when it comes out in a day or two and then there you'll be you able go. to find out the bit you missed uh, I'll explain why in the break what happened there. That was my bad anyway fascinating <gasps> fascinating
3: it was your uh, fault wait hold was, on i don't want was to gloss it over my the-
2: fault 100%
3: you piece of shit all right
2: uh not on purpose i might add i know what i did though anyway uh so really really interesting okay because that lines up with some stuff that was happening i did want to ask before before i get to my review did mm-hmm. you watch this week by week yes i did gotcha okay so as i said earlier i adored season one gushed about it I only didn't give it a five out of five because I believe it had room to grow and get even better. Something I want to note at the top of the bat Is that I chose not to watch Ted Lasso season one week by week, as I enjoyed watching season one in a condensed, sorry, season two week by week, as I enjoyed watching season one in a condensed manner and wanted to have a similar experience with season two. Between seasons, the internet was in almost complete agreement that Ted Lasso was pure gold. However, as season two rolled out, I couldn't help but notice that some of those opinions had started to sour. This is just me on Twitter, just sort of gauging Mm. the temperature of the room as people were watching it uh, week by week. This honestly made me more interested in season 2. Either the show was being daring and defying expectations, which is which is what we all want surely, or it had only had one good season in it, which sometimes is the case with TV shows. Finally, after waiting for what seemed like forever, I started my week-long watch of season 2, and by the halfway mark, I have to say I was not happy. In fact, mm-hmm. I was pissed off. Pissed off that anyone thought this show had gone bad. What the hell were people thinking? <laughs>
3: What if a twist. If nothing else...
2: Pardon? A twist. What a twist. What a twist. If nothing else, Roy Kent is still the fucking best. There's literally wasn't a Roy scene where I didn't laugh. Roy Kent is a gift. We shall be showing up each week just to get a little bit more Roy in our lives. He alone makes this show better than most others out there. But thankfully, there's plenty more to love about Ted Lasso Season 2. What made the show great in Season 1 for the most part I thought it was still there. I thought it was quite funny still, very funny at times. It's super charming. The writing is emotionally intelligent without being cloying or losing entertainment value. The performances throughout are excellent. Jason Sudeikis in particular just continues to blow me away, even more so this season than last season, I think. The ensemble cast also shines. I'm actually starting to feel a bit of the Scrubs DNA um, within sort of what they're doing within the walls of Richmond FC, which is interesting to say because Scrubs can be a bit problematic to return to but one of the things that show always did really well was have a strong ensemble cast and then the wider world of Sacred Heart around it and the chemistry and just sort of that feeling of place and Richmond is starting to have that for me. Um, it is interesting that you mentioned though you found the dumb soccer players a problem to some degree mm. or the broad comedy of it and I get that because that's been a complaint I had about season three of Sex Education. I'm not mm. quite there yet. I think The cartoony nature of it is fitting for me so far, but I totally understand what you're saying there. And that is absolutely, Mm -hmm. as comedy always is, a matter of taste. Uh, But what impresses me about season two is how it isn't just trying to redo what season one did or coast on our affection for these characters. It wants to challenge them and challenge the audience to go deeper and further than just, will Richmond win at sports? This is best exemplified by the addition of Dr. Sharon, a sports psychologist for which Ted is not a fan. So often in season one, Ted has admirably was admirably upbeat, no matter what. But it's with uh, his time with Dr. Sharon that we get to scratch away and see past the surface of Coach Lasso to something more complicated underneath. It's not always pretty or fun, but it is extremely compelling." Meanwhile, the major major conflicts from the season come from within the walls of Richmond FC. This was true to a certain extent last year, but it's taken to a new level this season now that we've had time to get to know and love these characters. And it can be challenging to audiences and may well be for one of the reasons some viewers turned away from the show this season. It was famously what happened in Season 2 of Community, where Pierce became a major antagonist for the study group and some audience members complained about it so much that the creators didn't continue down that path in Season 3. For me, challenging the characters and audiences like this is why I think Community Season 2 is one of the best sitcom seasons ever, and is the same reason why I love this season of Ted Lasso. This show is not without its flaws, though. There are a couple of episodes this season that stand out as being apart from the rest. There is a legitimate production reason for this, but that doesn't mean it can't be criticised. Episodes are also getting longer and longer, starting from a typical 30 to 35 minutes to 40 or nearly 50 minutes by season's end. It also occurs to me that this show is about a lot of pretty rich people. Like, nobody on this show is really struggling for money. Everyone has an idyllic home and a fast car, and I wouldn't blame anyone for being a little put off by this. However, perfection is not the aim. A big idea with Ted Lasso itself is that perfect isn't perfect. You might love a character or a relationship within the show and think they're ideal, but this season, both in its themes and in the product itself, is proof that everyone is constantly a work in progress. I love this show for its imperfect perfectness. I can't wait for season three, which I believe is capable of being the best season of all, hopefully to be a fitting conclusion. And when it's all said and done, leave us with a five out of five show. Uh, I did want to talk about this a little bit well more. Done, now that we're here. You oh, nailed thank you. it as well. <laughs> all right, we got close, got close. A few people have told me already. Uh, it's obvious that Damascus is the pro. They're saying in chat, which is fair enough. Um, I did want to say, though, yes, the compressed nature of watching it, I think, may have been a factor. I think is interesting because we've talked about this a lot, how I've really appreciated with Disney Plus shows, them coming out week by week has really helped with the conversation. And Ted I was not a show that's beyond conversation. In fact, it might be enhanced by it to some degree. Yep. But having a flow in watching two or three episodes a night, mm. I didn't at any point feel that I don't know where this is going feeling. Not for a second did I feel any of that. Which is an interesting take Mm. on your part and not one that I don't think is legitimate, but I definitely wasn't... I was never left going, I feel lost, I don't know where this is going. It was more like, I think I see where they're going, I can't wait for the next episode to see if that's true, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I guess... I mean, I don't think this show is particularly surprising in terms of plot. I guess I, I wasn't confused... In that sense. Yeah. Um, I think there were a lot of moving parts. And, mm-hmm. you know, because my expectation of Ted Lasso, uh, the show is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you. It's going to get you really good. Um, I felt like I was being spread really thin. And then I sure, wasn't okay. sure that um, where we got emotionally actually hit the same way. And so it was a bit concerning for me Mm. and I was like yeah so I wasn't like oh my god I can't believe that happened by the end Um, I think they they're good in terms of plot signposts but I was a yeah a little confused about the emotional signposts I guess
2: we're gonna have to start there when we talk spoilers which is just in a moment before we do that though Mm. what is your score and ranking of this season of Ted Lasso
3: Yeah, so last season I gave it Mm 4.5. I didn't love this season as much. I still think it's a solid season. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, my heart wasn't quite as touched this time around. So I'm going to give it a 4. Cool.
2: I'm going to give it a 4.5 again. Mm -hmm. I reckon I'm going to run into a problem with this show that we did with Bojack Horseman.
3: You're gonna go Which back was, and be like, they were all fives, actually. Yeah. No,
2: no, no. Not that they were all five. Oh. Although I've played with the idea that season one maybe is a five, and in, and I think at the end of this, I might turn around and go, this was my favorite season. Maybe it'll be season three or season two or season one. Mm. I'll figure it out later, and I might go, well, that was a five star season. But I do think maybe one of the things that happened with BoJack Horseman. We never gave a season of BoJack a five out of five, but we I know, decided it's that the show, but we gave the show a five out of five at the end. Once it was yeah. all said and done, we're like imperfections aside or even included this yeah. show added up to so much by the end of it that it was hard mm-hmm. not to say it's one of the best tv shows in the modern times it was so incredible yeah i yeah my affections at this point for ted lasso are that we might get there or i might get there with it especially with only one mm-hmm. season to go i'm really really if that's truly what they're going to do i'm really impressed by that and really looking forward to that going forward
0: Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
3: It's that time again where we beg and plead at your feet for you all to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The show really benefits when you leave five stars and a comment saying how much you enjoy what we do. It helps others find us, so share the love.
2: And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1.
3: We would also appreciate it if you shared hunting seasons with everyone in your life that watches way too much TV, which is the entire population, let's be honest. So tell them to check us out. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Only Murders in the Building
2: Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Only Murders in the Building, or if you have any thoughts on Ted Lasso, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Ted Lasso Season 2.
1: You're now entering the Spoiler zone.
2: Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one and two of Ted Lasso. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Ted Lasso up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. warned.
3: Deep dive. It's cool
2: to know other people think about this stuff too. So let's start, Damas, talking about some of the problems you had with the show. I think that's where I want to start. The things that didn't work Mm. for you. First and foremost.
3: Mm. There's one clear example, um, Mm. and I don't know if it's the best example, but it's just one that sticks out in my head. So, obviously, and those who haven't watched the show and you're still listening and watching this, you might not... Why are you doing this to yourself? But I appreciate you being here, so don't go anywhere. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so... Obviously, we've got to build up throughout the season where we are looking at Ted's anxiety and the possible reasons behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, that first point of trauma that triggered it. So, I was kind of really looking forward to like the catharsis of that moment when we talk about Ted and what happened with his dad. And I'll be honest with you, that scene didn't work for me when he's talking about he's in therapy um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I watched it many, many weeks ago. Now, they are cutting it with, Rebecca with Rebecca's story, about talking her dad. about her dad, mm-hmm. and I was like, I love both of these characters, but I really would appreciate if we could focus on Ted right now. And I get what you're doing, but it actually like lessened what I felt in the Ted moments, and that okay. was a shame to me.
2: Sure, they only really did the intercutting from memory as they told the particulars of the story that went with their mm-hmm. trauma. Right. Yes. So in Ted's case, yep. obviously finding his dad having killed himself, and in Rebecca's mm. case, finding her dad dad fucking someone that's not her mum.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which were extremely traumatic, obviously, and informative for both of them. Um, mm. and. The intercutting of that I thought was interesting because, A, I'm not sure the particulars of the story is what the show is that interested in anyway. It's mm. more that trauma like this comes in many different forms. And in both cases, it's about finally talking about it, quite possibly for the first time with anybody. Um, that is that is the important thing that's happening here. They're both having these breakthrough moments simultaneously mm. that are more connected than maybe they realize. I understand what you're saying, though. When you are cross-cutting, yeah. you, it is distracting, too. It's not like yes. you can focus on what's happening with Ted and maybe emotionally yeah. you can't be in the moment with him. So, I get mm-hmm. what you're saying. But it did only yeah, seem to I, last for that bit.
3: I, yeah, no, I understand what they were doing and why they were doing it. Um, but I actually think if you just had those two scenes um, separate, mm-hmm. you could do the same thing and you would actually, yeah, reach that emotional climax. Uh, well, I certainly would. Um, a lot easier because like you said yeah it was distracting to me and I wanted to be in the moment because it felt like a really important moment yeah
2: sure I guess I didn't think it was the emotional climax though I don't think the show thought it was the emotional climax of that scene like they weren't trying to reach a climax at that point the emotional climax came later and they did give them time in fact some of those shots these long long takes they were giving Jason Sudeikis as he was talking about not the story of what happened, but the feeling that he was abandoned, that his dad was a quitter. And mm. then and then being asked by Dr. Sharon to talk about a happy memory. What were the things that he loves about his dad? And the camera would stay with him. And those were the breakthrough moments. That was the catharsis. And that, for mm. me, was where where the show made, focused its time and its attention and said, I'm going to give you breathing room to feel this because that was more important than the particular story because you could i think in all of those circumstances i think part of what they're trying to say here is, is like you can apply that trauma to anything it, it can be a, mm. a, a father suicide it can be the betrayal of your dad uh, on your mother it could be something that happens in a relationship with somebody else it could be a friend it could be whatever it could be something that happens to someone that you don't even know but you just a witness to the important thing is is not in that moment is like what the particulars of that origin story where it was, so what's the how do we get past that or how do we start to work through the effects of that and I think that's the reason the show did it what it did, but I totally understand what you're saying, I don't think it's invalid what you're saying, but I didn't have that problem because I think I was on board with what the show was doing and how it was doing, I guess
3: yeah um I yeah, like I said, I understand what you're saying I uh, didn't have that experience <laughs> yeah. um. Yeah, because the thing is, like, I understand all of those emotional notes. Oh, here's something that I wanted to bring up. And I'm not sure I have an issue with it. Um, sorry, Pearl's making so much noise. That's fine. Um, yeah, so have a how thing do too. you feel about the... Um, not, it's not necessarily the resolution, but I guess the stepping forward happening so rapidly... In this show, like often we'll have an issue and it is kind of worked through and s- spoken about and worked through um, to some degree pretty quickly. Like the emotional t- intelligence of this show and the characters mm. within it is so high usually um, that problems do get solved pretty quickly um, or at least acknowledged by the show pretty quickly. I think they're I'm not saying I have an often. issue with it, but yeah.
2: What... I'm trying to think of issues that were solved quickly within the show. Most of them were like a lot of shows that do this sort of thing, a problem of the week episode. So like McAdoo Mm. is struggling with his leadership stuff. So he's, he had that resolution in one episode, but in a way it was actually just another step on Roy's journey. And so while that was the episode catharsis, it was also the step towards Roy becoming a coach, which had been a three episode arc. I think at that point of him trying to figure out what he's going to do post football, basically. Um, I think, I'm trying to think of other ones. Danny Rojas's thing—he had, he had some of that happen pretty much all in one episode. But even by the end of the season, we're still see- mm. seeing him dealing with that. He's not done dealing with that trauma. He's still, yeah, still processing and still working through it. And I think that's a lot about what mm-hmm. the show is talking about. It's like yeah. none of these things actually have simple solutions. You might have breakthrough mm-hmm. moments, but the work continues on and on and on as we go along. Were there other it's ones? It's so funny, still out like too?
3: as you bring up the week-to-week kind of issues. Yeah. As you were saying them, I'd forgotten about so many of them. I Yeah, they obviously didn't stick in my brain yeah. very much, which is interesting. Um, I will say the only thing I enjoyed about Danny's storyline is that at the end we get to see a little greyhound wearing a helmet. Um, that made it 100% worth it to me. It was so cute. I didn't realize how cute greyhound puppies were. My, my, my. Um, but yeah, a lot of those kind of, Background characters having a moment. Yeah, I, yeah, it is pushing other things, which I guess maybe is an issue that it's, these things are brought up as plot device for characters that are more developed. I don't know. I just really want to get to know those guys a bit more. I, 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 I
2: understand that. I think the problem we're going to have with the show is that it is a show that has a very limited runtime and it's, it's only probably going to have three mm. seasons apparently. And it obviously has a clear trajectory for its main cast. I think we have to accept that most Mm -hmm. of the players are going to end up being minor parts. And so we can get a glimpse into their lives here and there. And we can even see things like... I think the last episode, a few characters have breakthrough moments. Jamie has the moment of giving Danny the chance to kick the the winning goal that gets them promoted back into the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Danny fulfills that and gets over his demons involving the Greyhound... Death at the start of the season. McAdoo has that moment where he becomes a leader, where he doesn't put his hand in the in the you know the the cheer thing at the in the rooms. He goes up and touches believe and gets everyone to do that, and on and on it goes. And like, but that's all you're going to get. And I think mm. because there's only so much time to with we, we've still got to do Rebecca and Sam, who's the one player probably who got more to do this season than last season. Jamie and Roy mm. and Keeley and Ted and Nathan. It's like at some point you've got to draw a line and say, these are our main cast, everyone else is secondary. And I think the expectation has to be that everyone else is secondary at this point. Unfortunately, I'd, I, I still think, I'm going to talk about this later, there's going to be a spin off of this show when it's all said and done. Like Ted Lasso will go yeah. for three seasons. There will be a Richmond FC or a Roy and spin spinoff, and I cannot wait to see it. But it should end. The Ted Lasso show should end after three seasons. We can move on and do more stuff if we want to. And Higgins, thank you for reminding me, chat. And Higgins as well. Although Higgins doesn't have a lot to deal with, it seems. And Coach Beard. No. I even mentioned Coach Beard. Um, I did want to oh, mention something that was said in chat. Can we mention the quick. Coach Beard thing? Well, actually, something that was brought up in chat, Jamie mm. brings up, he was saying that, oh, I think Ben brought this up as well, um, there was an issue for them was that the the Coach Beard episode, which is divisive in its own way, some people in chat are saying they liked it, some people are saying they didn't. Mm. But it happens in between finding out that Ted's dad can killed himself and the resolution to that to some degree by having the mm. next episode uh, and his interaction with Dr. Sharon. Mm-hmm. So it sort of comes in an inopportune time. And if you, I can imagine if you're watching this week by week and you get that revelation about Ted and then you get this weird 40-minute episode that's a homage of a Scorsese film that no one I know has seen in After Hours. And then we come back to it finally 2 weeks after initially find that out that's going to be frustrating for is, people
3: is is that the you know how they in season 1 they're all talking about their favorite Scorsese film is that the one the bar lady says and everyone's like yeah that is a great film and maybe no i
2: it. haven't gone back to find out but you might be right
3: cuz i didn't even realize they were doing paying
2: i had no idea and i didn't the only the reason Scorsese i knew film. is cuz twitter told me and they told me before i even saw the episode
3: <laughs> oh, so i went in with I, some pre-knowledge. yeah i didn't like that episode i didn't I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, this is exactly what I want, right? Like, an episode where I'm Mm going to get to know one of the kind of secondary characters better." Um, I'm not. uh, I don't know. Like, the more that time I spent with Beard in that episode, I'd be like, "I think I just want to go home." Like, I felt like I I was being dragged. I think he did too. I
2: think he was trying to.
3: but like, I would like for us to not be hanging out anymore. Like I just saying. I didn't I didn't find it particularly interesting or fun uh, or Yeah, I did I didn't like it. I don't know what were your thoughts.
2: I I don't disagree. It is my least favorite episode of the season. Spoilers for the final segment, it's my yeah, least favorite episode of the too. season. Ooh. It's not that I outright dislike it, but it definitely feels other to the rest of the show. And the funny thing is, I actually really admire the show for doing something different and bold. But I think the reality of this episode is and the Christmas episode as well is they were both added last minute. So originally the show was, had a 10 episode pickup and they mm. developed the season with that in mind. And then Apple said, make two more episodes, please. And they went, oh shit. <laughs> uh, what are we going to do? So they added a Christmas episode, which you'll notice has no impact on the rest of the season whatsoever. It's just cute stories. And let me tell you, I love myself a Christmas episode. So I was fine with mm. that. I only went for 30 minutes as well. And then they had the Coach Beard one, which I think wasn't a bad choice to have it focus on Coach Beard. He was one of those characters who is there plenty, but isn't necessarily... His inner life is not involved or interweaved into the rest of the st- story the way that others are, in any yeah. real way. Um, I actually quite liked what they were doing with Beard this season by having him be the observer who knew something was going on with Nate the whole time, and yeah. trying in his very, very hands-off way to... To get him to get like do something smarter to, to, to make a change
3: yeah. they were the most I liked, that I that. liked beard the most because otherwise like, yeah. you know obviously he literally is one note that's kind of his yeah. his thing, uh, but yeah, in those moments I was like, oh yeah, I mean I, I understand your role in this show now mm-hmm. um, so that that was nice to see um, yeah, but otherwise I could take a leaf beard.
2: Uh, just a comment from Jamie in the chat. On its own, I think it was an amazing episode and very clever. It spoke to me quite personally, though, so that may be why I liked it so much. And listen, thats it's hard to argue with something that speaks to you personally, obviously. <laughs> I guess from a, from a... I don't know what I was meant to get out of it so much about Beard or about Jane or about any of that. I do definitely understand, and I think this is what people like about from what I understand, having never seen the film, about After Hours, it's just sort of that idea of, like, when you've had a bad day and you're trying to, like, you know, a bad day at the office, basically, and you're trying to shake it off and just meeting different people and having these crazy interactions and sort of life just being that weird entity, that just crazy night out that we probably all had at one stage in our lives and trying to capture that in a moment but I don't know what I was meant to, what that was meant to tell me about Beard, or if it added anything to the show much for me. That's where it was lacking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk? Let's talk about Ted a little bit, though. Okay. I think we should. You didn't like that specific moment, or there were certain moments that didn't play for you. How do you feel about his story overall? The panic attacks were introduced as early as, or at least hinted at, in the opening um, uh, scene where he's doing the press conference in, in the pilot. We do see them come out once or twice in, in Season 1. They're happening more and more mm-hmm. in Season 2. It's starting to impact on his ability to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't like therapy or, or psychiatrist, psychologist or therapy in general. Mm-hmm. And he has his reasons for that based on what happened with him and his divorce.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he has to go to, to Dr. Sharon for help. How did you find that t- all that storyline, how that was utilized generally?
3: I mean, yeah, I liked it. I'm glad we explored the anxiety issue because obviously, yeah, it was something somewhere they wanted to go. Obviously, we see hints of it in season one. Um, Particularly, it's kind of comes to the forefront in that karaoke episode, which is a moment I love when Rebecca comes out Mm -hmm. um, to check up on him. I love that. So, yeah, I was glad that we got more of that. I think the introduction of someone so intelligent – um and can really kind of see past Ted's performative nature mm-hmm. to have that kind of antagonistic relationship to begin with is re- I I think it really helped a lot of those episodes to have that dynamic introduced someone who kind of had Ted's number or wasn't overly impressed by his folksy charm and I loved the lady who played the therapist I think she mm-hmm. was great and she brought I mean, she scared the shit out of me. I don't know about you, but I was like, yeah, fair enough, Ted. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I I love that dynamic. I'm glad that we now, as viewers, have that extra layer of understanding about Ted. Um, Because otherwise, like, I would be wondering where this show is going in terms of Ted's journey. I think it's really important (laughs) that he has, you know, this is his Achilles heel, for lack of a better term um it's the thing that he holds most secret um and while he's so willing to help others all the time um mm-hmm. absolutely we you know in moments you know when we see him at home drinking and stuff he 's just unable to give himself the same kindness, which is really hard to see when you see someone mm-hmm. who's so amazing so yeah i to be honest, I pretty much loved all of that stuff. Except for obviously that moment that I described earlier.
2: Just the execution of that moment specifically. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because the thing is, I was really enjoying that yep. journey. And so for that moment, that kind of big reveal, what have you, um, and yeah, that important moment of in therapy where you kind of acknowledge trauma, yeah, just one little thing I'd change about it, but that's it.
2: I, it's, yeah, the show is called Ted Lasso. In season one, it's kind of really the story of Rebecca and how Ted Lasso starts to change, not just the club of Richmond and connect these players to get, you know, them to be greater, but specifically mm-hmm. how Rebecca sort of comes around from being hateful and trying to destroy this thing because she's still tied up to this awful man that she, you know, has now broken up with her, to that her to come back to being the best version of herself. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. So you can't just have it be like that. The show can't be Ted Lasso and have Ted just be, he is the force of change in other people all the time. We have to see what makes Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. And this was the season that did it. I was really, really happy about that on so many levels. I think Mm. the panic attacks have always been, it's funny because we've just come off watching The Sopranos over three or four years, which is a very, very similar concept. Someone, a professional, who's dealing with panic attacks, who eventually gets the help of a psychiatrist, psychologist to help them through it. Someone who doesn't want to do that um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, very different characters, <laughs> but Yeah, similar. this is like
3: the anti-Sopranos. This is like the anti-tiny Soprano. fucking asshole losers that I hate. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I'm getting that show, but this time I can actually enjoy watching the people. Mm.
2: Yeah, because you want them to succeed. And you yeah. want to see them get better. And you believe that they can, too. Um, I I really liked seeing this more vulnerable side of Ted. I loved seeing the Ted that was not interested. Like, being in the room with Sharon was difficult enough for him. And to see his folksy charm sort of become weaponized at times, the way he would talk to her and the way he would talk about her profession and slam mm-hmm. doors and say yeah. it's bullshit. Like, I, I don't... I don't think he hadn't sworn before, but I don't think it would ever been in a way that had like power behind it. And it, it yeah. was very disarming to hear him do that. Um, mm-hmm. And it made you realize just how vulnerable he was. I thought that was all fantastic. When they finally got to the point, as much as it didn't, that, at least that very moment of telling the story of what happened with his dad wasn't specific. I thought that entire scene was amazing. And I was crying, particularly when Ted was talking about the things he loved about his dad. And you can see yeah. the influence that that also had on Ted. Um, And how he has obviously overcompensated (laughs) for that in his life, Um, the way he's made himself a father figure for so many other people. And this idea of not quitting because he sees his dad as a quitter. Like, mm. all of that worked for me on every level. And it just go to go back and watch season one again, I think, and even earlier parts of season two, I think we have a much better understanding about what Ted is doing and why. And it's going to enrich the whole experience. It was always there. It was just we finally got to see it. That yeah. feeling of abandonment is something I want to come back to because he feels that as well when Sharon, Dr. Sharon leaves without saying goodbye and that, again, that anger he has that's that's there inside mm. him that comes out very, very rarely. And no, Led Tasso does not count, Benjamin. Led Tasso is a performance. That's not real anger. Um, mm. But that when that anger does come out, you know, he's he does have a lot of anger. And mm. that abandonment he felt from Sharon, and it's something that it, seeing that in him and how that's also informing another character simultaneously in this season is something I'm looking forward to talking about when we get there. I also just wanted to quickly talk about that. I think it's important. I, I'm glad the show is addressing this at least slightly that mental health is talked about more around professional sport because it wasn't mm-hmm. always. There's that bit at the start of the last episode, I think, where those pundits are talking, the ones that had been on the Roy's show, the show, show that Roy had been on, sorry. And they're talking mm. about one guy says he's weak or, you know, you wouldn't want to be storm Normandy with this guy or whatever. That used to be the way this was talked about and still is sometimes. But luckily, more and more, that conversation is getting better. We've seen that happen in AFL in Australia. Um, Danny Frawley committed suicide a year or two ago now. And that was a good chance, I think, for men to maybe talk about mental health, these tough, strong, you know, traditionally masculine figures in our lives, in culture to talk about vulnerability and mental health a bit more has been good. I really liked the bit where Ted was at the bar with Sharon and while he's off, he's actually leaving the three guys like Richmond sports come over and ask her to help them. And I think they only did that because they knew that she was beneficial to the football club. Therefore they, that helped them to realize there was value in in therapy and mental health options for themselves which I mm. think is true as well. It's really important is somebody's talking about in sport because other men and, and women and whoever might also get a lot out of that. I thought that was really good. But at the same time, like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka this year have been treated so poorly by the media for admitting to having <laughs> mental health issues. And so it's still a conversation mm. that needs to improve. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that.
3: Um, I mean, I didn't know that AFL thing had happened or that yeah. those conversations had existed. My only reference point was obviously the Naomi Osaka stuff. Mm. Yeah, um, that stuff was awful. And I think that's yeah. also a so sign it's clearly not just like of still the- a huge issue. And
2: probably worse for, for women of colour in sport is what you might notice about that pattern with both of oh, those yeah. ladies as well. I mean, yes. <laughs> do you think Ted is failing as a dad? Yes. You do? I mean got- I think
3: it's great that he obviously is in contact with his son a lot and that's wonderful. Um yeah. and I it's great that he's improving himself um in lots of ways and doing something that he's really enjoying. That's fabulous. Um but I think he you know subconsciously or consciously is repeating this trauma he experienced. Um, so his, you know, as much as his son seems pretty happy, something tells me he's probably going to grow up with some abandonment issues. The fact that his dad, his parents got divorced, and his dad mm. decided to leave the country. Yeah, he's probably going to have some issues around that. So Wasn't it doesn't mean he's a terrible like parent, but he's making some pretty two. obvious mistakes. Wasn't
2: that that a storyline? Yeah. And uh, interesting that we've seen that from the other perspective. We've seen his son's version of that, uh, Mm. of that situation. And I do wonder whether that might be something that gets addressed a little bit more in season three, is maybe Ted struggling with actually not being around his son.
3: Well, I think the fact that Nate said it to him, you know, know, straight to his face, will be pretty shocking. Um, Because obviously Beard being his friend and oftentimes biggest supporter would know that Ted would be very sens sensible, sensible. That's not the word I want. Sensitive, Sensitive. about that. <laughs> Sorry, the hangover is really kicking in at this point. <laughs> um, so I doubt that he would criticize his friend's parenting because that's sure. just not what you do anyway. Um, but yeah, to have Nate say that to wound Ted, I think it's it's done its job. It's going to wound him, and he's going to have to deal with why Nate would say that. Is it true? How does he personally feel about about it and all that stuff next season?
2: Let's talk about Nate then, who to me, oh, brother, was the most fascinating part of the season because it's not something I could have seen coming, but it's something that I think totally works.
3: Oh, it tracks. Yeah, upon reflection, you're like tracks. oh, of course. Like looking at season one, and he's. He's oh, when he's given permission um, or given you know power to kind of rip people to shreds, he certainly has the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back at that moment where he's kind of like cutting everyone down to size,
1: mm-hmm. he
3: comes up with those things pretty fucking. You know, like he obviously has those thoughts about people. Absolutely. And feels that way about people. And so, to be given even more power, um, yeah, I think it's it's fascinating to explore something that isn't always done is that, you know, we have this idea of the bully and the bullied and those okay. two things in media are just very different things. Um, but to actually see the transformation of the bullied to become the bully, it's oh, – because you just want the bullied to be the good guy and to watch him become the bad guy in a lot of ways, it was really heartbreaking and made me really fucking angry. But it was yeah, the best storyline of the season.
2: So that's what that was the first question I wanted to ask is like, did you have a problem with that storyline? Because I can I wondered whether people may've also been having a hard time dealing with seeing this happen to Nate. Like Mm. Uh, it was. It's really. It's easy sometimes when, like, I well, Rebecca was never really the real bad guy. We had Rupert to look at last season, just mm. go, "This guy sucks." Yeah. He's the guy we've got to defeat this season, and and now Nate is a much more complex situation because he's someone that, on some level, hopefully we care about by now. That's the show has done its job. We do, mm-hmm. and I just found the whole thing extremely tragic and sad. As much as yeah. I wanted to, you know punch him in the face at the same time. <laughs> um, but that is exactly the problem too. That is exactly yeah. the wrong way to approach this, I think. Um, it did remind me of what they did with Pierce in Community Season 2. It did remind me what they did with Arbed through Community as well at times, making these characters mm. that we love or at least like very unlikable, which can yeah. be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I'd he was just agree. a perfect representation of like of a lot of different traumas or or, or complex negative things Mm -hmm. he is a victim of the of stale ideas around men we use toxic masculinity as a term all the time but obviously that's one of them he has those really old school cliche coaching methods which yeah Mm -hmm. really are not considered to be particularly effective anymore but he relies on them he's constantly just tearing the players down and saying they should be better and that their pay should be enough of an incentive to be good and not really looking at what it takes to make a successful team He's looking at that pyramid mm. of success on the wall in the last episode and he's kind of skipping all those foundational steps. He doesn't seem to understand any of that. The mm. self And Beard was
3: reading that book, Inverting the Pyramid, right?
2: Correct. In the first yeah. season,
3: I think. Or maybe at least again later on. reading it in this season, yeah.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the self-hatred, the spitting. It's was so, so scary. upsetting every time he was doing it. The yeah. first time after that, he you know, Rebecca told him to find that thing that gives you power, you know, and makes herself big and like, you know, puts on this, you know, big power scary stance. bear or a line act, a power stance and all that sort of stuff, yep. right? Um, And then him trying the same thing and ultimately he just has to, he spits on himself in, the, in that bathroom at that restaurant and it's, yep. I just didn't see it coming and it was really shocking and so yeah, effective found because it, of that.
3: Yeah, I found it really scary scary to see yeah. that kind of level of aggression mm-hmm. um, yeah it was certainly confronting to see and I at the time I was confused because I was like you know it's meant to be that great moment where like you know the popular girls help out you know the nerdy boy and mm-hmm. they're talking about you know this seemingly positive thing and then to see his interpretation of what power looks like feeling powerful looks like is to be spitting um at weaker people or people you perceive to be weaker was really upsetting and i didn't because i was like is the show telling me that that was a cool thing to do like i was just like because i felt really uncomfortable and really unsafe weirdly i was like oh no um and then obviously as the season goes on we kind of yeah, we get a deeper meaning or a deeper understanding as to the origins of that self hatred. Obviously his dad is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um and and not in, you know, an overt overtly aggressive way, but certainly lets his son know that he is an important, um, doesn't matter and isn't worth his time. Mm-hmm. Which is devastating. Oh <sighs> yeah. Um and he's obviously looked up to men like Roy but mm-hmm. the wrong aspects mm-hmm. of Roy and that type of thing. Yeah, it's just really upsetting to see, but fascinating at the same time. Yeah,
2: That need for validation that he has, that he doesn't yeah. get any from his dad and never has, him going to Twitter and online and so forth oh. and, and like constantly scrolling through and him finding something in that, which is obviously... It feeds that feeling that maybe he is better than other people, and then finally he sees a message that says that maybe he's not that great, and that sends him spiraling, and so he has to go and take it out on the new, you know, towel kid or whatever. Yeah. That's upset. Every time he did that, um, the re- trying to find respect through intimidation when he went off at... It- I think tells Colin to sit out the training session, just losing all humble. It's just like he is the perfect example of everything that Ted is not. And what I yep. find so fascinating is that they actually have a similar sort of underlying problem, mm-hmm. which is they are both dealing with a form of abandonment from their fathers. Ted's mm-hmm. was different. He had a good relationship with his dad, at yeah. least mostly, until his dad c- killed himself. And mm-hmm. then Nate's dad is still around, but he has never really been around. He's been abandoned. And then Mm -hmm. Nate finds something of a surrogate father figure in Ted last season and then is feeling abandoned this season. Yeah. So, of Nate's criticisms of Ted, do you think any of them are true? This idea that Nate is the brains of the operation and that Ted wouldn't have success without Nate, do you think that's true? of course that part's
3: true. Ted doesn't know anything about the game. (laughs) True, yes, that part is true. Do you, yes, do you I think agree he's right when he says
2: that Ted is a joke, though?
3: No, I think his role is the part that he plays in that coaching team mm-hmm. is absolutely vital. The culture he's building there is vital to their success. Um, so no, I don't think he's a joke, and I don't think those around him think he's a joke.
2: The I mean, I think they did, they did in season one, but he proved that that wasn't the case, yeah, and the totally the important thing that Nate just does not seem to understand is that he can have all the tactics he wants in the world, but if the team is not connected and does not buy Mm. into his plan, it doesn't matter for squat. You can have the best, the best coaching methods in the world, but if the, but the players aren't buying into it, you got nothing, nothing whatsoever. You will Mm. never achieve success, particularly when, when the chips are down. And so that was, yeah, just, he's hundred percent wrong there as much as he does bring value as well. Mm. Um, then what, what about the idea that Ted abandoned Nate? Do you think that's true?
3: Well, this is the one I struggle with. So I think mm. the first two are really easy. I'm like, you know, I clearly have an idea of what was going on um, in, in that aspect. Because when I first watched it, I was like, fuck you, Nate. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, you would have nothing without Ted. I, was, I didn't get it. I didn't agree. I thought he was just being pissy, to be honest with you, um, and just talking out his ass, and it was coming from a place of entitlement, and I hated it and didn't agree one ounce.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I am inclined to stick in with that point of view just because I feel so angry at Nate.
2: I mean, when he ripped up the but belief sign, it's like, oh, you're a full villain now. Unforgivable. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, unforgivable. you're unforgivable.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. However, so this is the thing is, I guess, Ted's... Because Ted's intention is not bad. It was not his intention to abandon Nate in any sense. He was dealing with his own thing, um, mostly privately. He was dealing with that. And so, obviously, Mm -hmm. a couple other things had to fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So, that moment of, you know, good intentions, but other stuff going on, meeting... Um Nate's this kind of foundational trauma, yeah. like that's a huge part of who Nate is, and he can't help that, and when that's triggered, that's a really hard thing to control, particularly when you're not fucking aware of it. Mm-hmm. So to have that foundational trauma be triggered by Ted, I can't really blame Nate for that either. I can certainly criticize his actions and the way that he handles it. yeah, but he he felt abandoned. Um and that's just that is what it is and I don't want to invalidate that. This fictional character's emotions. It it's it's like
2: the, the, on some level maybe Ted I think Ted admits it it's like if I didn't you know give you a pat on the back enough well I'm sorry about that I guess. Mm. And like that I I think it's true. Like if you watch the season in general I think people do not necessarily take Nate seriously or mm. Sometimes I feel like they're not really coming to him and offering him what they seem to offer everybody else. Like,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I don't know. They give Roy so many opportunities and Jamie so many opportunities to better themselves Mm
1: -hmm.
2: that sometimes I do think, why weren't these... why, Why did this not happen with Nate? Why is it that when... Coach Beard obviously recognises that something's going on with Nate. There isn't a discussion Mm. to be had like, okay, we need to talk to him now and and do something about this because this behaviour can't go on any longer and it's going to be bad for the team and bad for him and bad for everybody.
3: Mm. Do we think Um, it's because they perhaps see Nate not particularly accurately and so they believe him to be a much softer and kinder person than perhaps he is in this moment in time? They have, you know, they know... Roy is particularly at the beginning a fucking asshole. They have mm. they also know the same thing about Jamie. They have lower expectations of those people, but I think like yeah, I th- I don't think necessarily having a high expectation of Nate's ability to be a good person is necessarily insulting. But I think it's his interpretation of those actions. Yeah. Someone
2: in, in, uh, in Twitter asked us, Rosie Posey, in fact, said, I'd like to know what you think about Ted not confronting Nate. That's something I'm still feeling conflicted about. Um, and someone under that commented, I don't remember who, sorry, said Ted Lasso, uh, sorry, Led Tasso need to get involved, which if you remember is like this angry persona that that Ted puts on. And first and mm. foremost, I just don't think Led Tasso would have done anything. Led Tasso would have just validated everything that Nate was feeling about Ted. Yeah. In fact, Getting that sort of attention, which is the wrong sort of attention, we and Nate proves that 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 is not how you want to deal with this problem. Um, mm. Would have only made it worse. I get the feeling that I what how Ted or the Ted Nate situation is going to be the the crux of next season, and mm-hmm. whether Ted feels guilty about not saying something earlier or not doing something more in that moment, especially because Coach Beard said you need to do something about Nate beforehand. Mm. um i regret that he wasn't more active not just before all this but in that moment i think might be a part of next season um Mm -hmm. but i also think maybe it just talks about where ted's at and where nate's at and again i don't think that ripping through nate was going to really solve the issue confronting him like that wasn't going to be the solution to that problem in that moment
3: Mm. yeah i think everything you kind of said all of the the mix of all of those things are uh, contributing to why Ted isn't bringing it up directly to him. I also think there's probably like still a huge amount of fear for Ted mm-hmm. around um, someone not liking him. Sure. And that is a pretty big thing um, to do to someone. and It's a pretty clear indication that they have a serious problem with you, particularly someone like Nate who he did I don't think he sees in that light he thinks nate is this really lovely person and he hasn't noticed um, a lot of what's going on and yeah you're right absolutely absolute guilt because what we learn about ted is that it is his life's mission to make sure no one's left behind and that's mm-hmm. a very huge indication that he has failed at yeah something that is the most important thing to him
2: Liam points out in chat also talking about how this his photo wasn't even in the office. We know for a fact that it was in his home. We do see that at the start yeah. of the episode. Which is, yeah. again, if you want to talk about confronting though, like Ted could have made that correction. It's like, well, no, it's not here. You're right. It's in a much more personal, meaningful place for me. It's at home. And he didn't say that. He chose mm. not to say anything. He let Nate have his peace. Um, Tandy asked yeah. on Twitter, thoughts on Nate getting pissy because Roy doesn't consider him a threat to his relationship with Keeley.
3: Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things of like people coming from just two very different places. I think mm-hmm. Roy, Roy not thinking that Nate is a threat mm-hmm. um, isn't an insult. Like what does that mean? He knows um, that Keeley loves him and is in a relationship with him. Has no sexual or romantic history with Nate, um, and he sees Nate as a generally good person um, who made a mistake. He made a mistake. It's all good. That's you know an acknowledgement of friendship and of thinking the best of someone. That they you know they fucked up, but they're not a bad person. Mm. Whereas there is so much history with Jamie, so obviously yeah. his reaction would be different. And for Nate is so in his head at this moment. He yeah, one, he's doing the fucking hugest jerk off move, which is to like make try to make out with your good friend's partner, um, dog act. Like just and yet somehow he's able to manipulate that so that now he's allowed to be the hurt person mm-hmm. is I think just an indication of where he is mentally, which is uh not great.
2: I, I just thought I don't think I've ever seen that in a in a TV show before, as a story, as a p- plot point, in terms of understanding mm. a person's like t- what's going on with them. I, I mm. mean, I've seen definitely this person kisses this person is holding out that secret and it comes out, and then there's there's conflict. The idea of the conflict coming from, yeah, don't worry about it, mate. You're it's fine. Yeah, I, I've I, in conjunction with him not being fine about Jamie doing it. I don't think I've ever seen that sort of complex psychology. Presented in that way. I really, really liked it as something a little I bit different I think I've seen
3: Nate. a Degrassi episode where that's a <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hey, Degrassi might have seasons. been ahead of its time. In fact, it almost definitely was.
3: It definitely what? was and still is. It's still airy. Um, still is. <laughs> yeah, and I also think like what we see in Nate's behavior towards Keely is that he doesn't like, I don't think genuinely like Keely in that way. He no. sees her as like, yeah, another thing as proof of, you know, his power, how, how far mm. he's come in the world is that now he can get someone, um, you know, that belongs to Roy, belongs to Roy, obviously. Um, I don't mean genuinely. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just kind of proving to us that he's so far away from the person that people could love and mm form relationships with he's in such a place of selfishness yeah that was really hard to see and I wanted Keely to fucking kick his ass because I'm pretty sure she could like it's just it's so rude it's too it makes me angry thinking about it I can't believe he would do that such a like (laughs) violation of like friendship trust he's a Mm. little dirtbag for doing that it makes me angry
2: uh what do you like the graying of his hair over the course of the season? Did you find that
3: i didn't mind it until the final moment, and I was like, Well, this wig is absurd like <laughs> and because it's a shot from behind, so you can see like the very like looks like one inch gap between the neck and the hairline, which looks so terrible um but I didn't mind the graying of the hair um but yeah, that last shot, I was like, Oh, are we in the future layers like, have been thirty years um but <laughs>
2: It appears to be a literal interpretation of like the poison inside him bubbling up. They do mention in the bit with Sam and uh, Rebecca in bed, like he's going grey from the stress of hiding their relationship, and he's got one grey armpit hair. So Mm. they're trying to suggest that there is this magical element that like people's hair goes shockingly grey very quickly (laughs) if under Mm -hmm. enough stress, which is I guess is just part of the universe. Uh, We should move on because we don't have too much time to talk about the rest of the characters. What did you make of Sam's? storyline i do want to leave the rebecca out of it for a second i liked the dubai air stuff Mm -hmm. quite a bit i think the choice to cover up the logo just before a match and to not inform anybody was extremely bad idea and i don't think they quite realized just how delicate a situation that can be for what is ultimately still a business but i appreciate the message and i'm glad that they found a cool way to get everyone on board with it i like that a lot Mm -hmm. any thoughts on that
3: yeah, I I really enjoyed that storyline. I because I, that Sam stuff, I was like, oh cool, I'm getting to know mm. this character, and he feels like a person to me. Whereas like a lot of the yeah. others don't. So yeah, I was I enjoyed those episodes. I love Sam. Like I, legitimately in love with Sam. He's so he's stunning. Mm-hmm. He's so beautiful, and then they make him the most beautiful person on the inside. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I just want to make out with him and cuddle him forever.
2: (laughs) Uh, I like also the the Dubai stuff, that football is bigger than football. And I think my first tears of the season was was that, because I I do really feel that. I think there's a real responsibility for football clubs and Mm -hmm. these sorts of like institutions inside that people care about to be leaders um, in that sense and seeing mm. like my football team do things like that stand up against racism and, and all these sorts of things at different ways i think is extremely important and so i was glad the mm. show was able to sort of address that for one episode at least yeah um, i mean there's what about- such
3: huge businesses that like really actively interact with ideas around masculinity and all that yeah. stuff so for things like you know football or basketball or whatever it is for those organizations to interact positively with their audience um, and use it for what I conceive to be good things, perceived to be good things, I should say, Um, fully into it.
2: Uh, Even recently with like trying to encourage people to get vaccinated and stuff like that has been happening a lot Mm. here in Australia with football clubs. I say that I think club, like they are a business, but they are a club as well. They are representative of a body of people they involve members and supporters and so that's mm-hmm. people sometimes look at them and go shut up you're just a football thing you're just a business don't do that it's like no they are a representative of the community and i think they have a community responsibility in that way anyway move mm-hmm. on what do you think mm-hmm. about the storyline of him trying to be rude by wooed by this millionaire back to africa uh he ended up just being a piece of shit we find out by the way he
3: stormed off in a very funny way in the last episode um, that was an instance where like the super-duper silliness was a little super-duper for me. Oh, I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, what's the guy's name, the actor's name? Was in I don't a bunch know off the top of my head, I'm sorry. Of amazing, he's always so funny. Um, so I love him and I enjoyed seeing him. I thought he was great in the role, but mm-hmm. it was a bit too silly for me, I think, yeah. I like just the that idea moment of it.
2: or the storyline in general?
3: Um. Oh, no, I I like the storyline. I love the idea of, you know, going back and, you know, being a part of your community again is, you know, that's a huge pull. Um, It would be a legitimate reason for Sam to leave, which we do and don't want for different reasons in the show. Um, So I really like that. It was the things of like, you know, I filled this art gallery with actors. I was like, what a fucking – I didn't find impress. I just it was stupid to me. Um, I was okay. like, "That's dumb." But otherwise, I liked. I liked the idea around that. Mm. Yeah, it
2: was it was wonderful to see Dusty stay with Richmond. I mean, Sam stay with Richmond. The work's not done yet. Exactly. Okay, let's get to the Rebecca of it all.
1: Because mm. I'll be
2: honest. Unfortunately for Rebecca, and not. I mean, she really last season was Rebecca's season. She got very much tied into the the Sam situation. It's about her mm-hmm. and her new relationships and moving on from Rupert and trying to find a relationship that's actually good for her, um, and ultimately ends up with Sam. And let's be honest, there is a power dynamic issue here. <laughs> it's so
3: unethical. It's absurd. Mm. It's, cr- oh. and they like, they like laugh about it in the show, and then they just don't deal with it. Is insanity to me the fact that ted isn't like um actually that's really inappropriate um particularly when rebecca is thinking about (sighs) changing his mind um or expressing that she would like him to stay when he's like this young man excuse me he's a sports star he's got this amazing opportunity you're his boss and the woman he's sleeping with to like jump in and give your opinion at all. I was like, this is blowing my mind that no one like Keely's not talking to you about this. Um, Higgins doesn't know, does he? But like Ted's not talking to you about like, like what you're actually doing is bad. This relationship should never have begun. It's not fun. It's not cute. Um, Yeah. Not a fan of this. It's,
2: yeah, I, I, I agree and I don't agree. I like... Uh, it's kind of that thing where it's like we've seen this happen too many times in the opposite direction, right? Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't think it's a problem necessarily of the age difference. It's I don't got give to a shit about that. that yeah. She's his boss, right? Uh-huh. And if it is stated outright and it is understood, it's not a secret, it's not as bad... But for a lot of the season, it's not. And then, the obviously, the power dynamics become a real issue, exactly as he said, as he's leaving. It has to be something that's addressed a lot better next season because I don't think they understood exactly what they were doing. They just said it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm your boss. This is wrong. And then we're, like, talking about how cool it was. Rebecca was like, oh, I love how, like, this is fun being a secret. It's like, this is wildly inappropriate.
3: Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... It just should not have been entertained by Rebecca and I think it was you know a bit of an assassination <laughs> of her character, her character a little bit to do that. I also think ugh, it's sad that like her storyline this season is like finding a boyfriend. Like yes. not not sure. super interesting. Um, they always do that on the Real Housewives. Like if you're a housewife and you can't think of a storyline for yourself, you'll just like get a dating coach and go on a few awkward dates and that's the storyline right. you give yourself. If you can't think um, of a
2: storyline for yourself. I love that's how that works. Okay.
3: Well, that is how it <laughs> works. You can either choose to be insulted by the smallest thing and then carry it out for three months or you can yeah do stupid things like get a dating coach. Um, but yeah, I, we couldn't have done anything else with Rebecca. Anything? Well,
2: Liam in chat does bring up there is the storyline with her mum, though I know the Sam side of it, and the dating side of it, got a heck of a lot more attention than that did. We got yes. two episodes. The one that where was
3: the periphery, yeah.
2: Yeah, it really was the periphery. Showing up her mum showing up and, you know, that she needs to leave her dad, which informs what is a much more powerful scene, but doesn't it's never felt like when when that scene happens, as much as I do like it, and I like mm. that there is like this this is not just a Ted problem. This is a problem for a lot of different people in their own way. Everyone's got trauma that's informative of who they are and how they behave. But it did necessarily feel like there's something coming with Rebecca. There's like a thing behind it. Um, yep. uh, the whole episode was one big Rick roll. How do you mean, Liam, the whole episode was one big Rick roll? Just to get to the Rick Astley bit at the end. I'm confused. Um, yeah, I, I I I don't think it was... It could have been a bigger part of the season, maybe. But they definitely wanted to focus more on the sexy Sam stuff, I think.
3: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Talking about a different relationship now. Mm.
2: Keely and Roy.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, the best. The best. I love it. I love it. Every time they're together on screen, I want them to get married and have babies, release a sex tape and let me watch it. That's my opinion.
2: They are my new Leslie and Ben. Mm. they are, the are supporting
3: one another
2: totally
3: yeah.
2: mm. um as i said in my earlier bit i just think roy kent is one of the best characters on fucking tv yeah. and anytime he's in a scene i end up laughing <laughs> he is just mm. amazing mm. um and just the way they undersell his like masculine gruffness uh, uh, or or not undersell they undercut it with the 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 softness that's really inside Roy and his affection for his niece and the way he just adores Keely and him mm. learning in those big exclamations of fuck and he realizes <laughs> what he's gotta do and he's gotta you know <laughs> mm. forgive Jamie. Jamie and wherever it might be. The big, <laughs> the the big one though the big yeah. the best one was was when Jamie's dad came in and Jamie didn't actually have a lot to do this season. Oh, he had two things. He had Jamie had to Um, get the trust of the team back which he did inside Mm -hmm. one episode and he had to uh, Jamie again Jamie was a bigger part of last season I think and they sort of Mm. just shoehorned the little bits they need for him this season and then we got the bit with his dad which took place over a couple of episodes and the that moment where his dad comes in and confronts him in the locker room first of all I personally would have probably got involved a lot earlier if I was in that room. Way earlier. That no one like, was saying a goddamn thing. Like, okay, bro, you have yeah. to leave now. This is Even a if I was, You're like, actually not invited. Security, yeah. can you take this man away, please? Yeah. Like, If I was a hard. new
3: player on the team and I'd been there for a week <laughs> and I looked around yeah. and saw everyone just staying there, I'd be like, sorry, I'm new. I don't really know the dynamic, but can you fuck off? Like, this is yeah, so rude. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. weird just to stand there. Mm.
2: But that moment then when um, Jamie punches him and then Coach Beard takes him out and he's just standing there. And I said out loud, someone fucking hug him. And then Steph was sitting next to me, said, Roy hug him. And then Roy mm. did. I was just like, yes, thank Yay. you, show. That's what I needed. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the exactly moment. That's yeah, exactly what yeah. I needed. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful.
3: So beautiful. That's like a gruff, powerful hug as well. You're like, oh, that'd be oh, the best. That'd be amazing.
2: Mm. Um, so... Th- Keely, what did Keeley have going on this season? She's she's learning to be like this businesswoman, this independent woman. She's growing mm-hmm. in her own confidence of her ability to be a boss-ass bitch, which is a term that gets used a few times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, they obviously love each other, but they're busy people, particularly Keeley, it appears yep. like. Was that enough drama for you in that relationship? Did you need more? Yep. Did you need if, less? If they
3: gave me any more, I would have had a heart attack. I was just like, <laughs> that's, that's good. And it's also like, you know, somewhat realistic depiction of like, you know, you're in a relationship and dynamics change. You have to adapt to that or it affects you both and yeah, your relationship. So I thought it was just enough drama, but not too much that I got scared. I mean, there were moments where I was like, please don't break up. Um, and they, they didn't. So I was like, sweet.
2: Can I talk Sweat. about one of my favorite moments? was in the very first or maybe second episode of the season, we had that bit where uh, Jamie had approached Keely. he would like been following her around and you know talks to her. And we sort of <laughs> leave that conversation in an awkward place. Don't really know what's going on. And then we come mm. back and we find Roy finds Keely masturbating in bed. And you're just like, oh, no, don't show the phone. It's going to be Jamie. Oh, no, this is going to ruin everything. And then it was mm. her watching Roy's emotional retirement <laughs> speech. <laughs> fucking loved that. Cause I was, was convinced the show was doing something. I was like, oh, don't do that. That's not cool. We don't need this yeah. sort of drama in this. We don't need a love triangle thing. And yeah. that, that and what it was was so much better. I was just like, yeah. this is these guys know what they're doing.
3: <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good moment. Mm.
2: Um, what did you feel about Jamie admitting to Keely that he still loves her?
3: I mean it's very Jamie, isn't it? It's not the brother. I can't believe bowl. he did
2: that, was essentially moments in my mind after Roy was the one person who fucking hugged him when his dad just, you know, humiliated him in front of the entire... Or, you know, ripped through him mm. in front of the entire team. You did that to Roy, the, the the guy that came to you in that moment? That's pretty shitty, Jamie. I was very upset with him about that.
3: Yeah, I don't think Jamie's um, got that level of cognitive function. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but I also love that it wasn't really made into this huge... Thing, this love triangle that I certainly mm. was not interested in. I was very scared that that's where it was going to go. Um, but yeah, Jamie is very much a secondary character this season mm-hmm. and that I'm happy for this show to do that, to like kind of mix and match, you know, through the seasons, we'll get more of you. We don't need just cause I hate when, you know, a character is really popular in a show and then they just keep having to up the drama with that one character mm-hmm. And ultimately ends up destroying them. So I was happy he stood back a little bit. We still get some good Jamie moments, but yeah. No, I think it was a good balance with Jamie this season. And yes, it was very naughty of him to do that with Keeley, but I'm glad it went where it went.
2: Naughty is a good word for it. We had that sort of the ending moments. We almost had like an MCU after credits thing happening at... The end of the show. Two weeks later, Sam's sticking around. He's starting the the Nigerian restaurant. Love that, by the way. I thought that was really Mm. cool. And then we had... No, before that, sorry. The earliest one, sorry, was actually Keely and Roy. It was two months later, the Sam bit. It was whatever. How many weeks later for the other two? And that was a weird one to me, a little bit. Like, I get that there is a little bit of, like, just minor tension in the relationship. There are different places, like, from a career perspective, I guess, Roy's obviously got a bit of insecurity about himself because he obviously adores Keeley and doesn't want to mm. fuck it up. <laughs> um, even though he's proved himself time and time again to be pretty receptive to what's going on. The and best. Solving the situation. Yeah. The best. Um, uh-huh. I just wasn't... I wonder where that's going next season. There's a part of me that's like, in another TV show, the solution he would be propose. Propose, you know, dedicate your lives to each other and then... And then... We'll move on and you'll be happy forever. But probably not what the show wants to do.
3: <laughs> and maybe mm. not what Keely
2: wants. I don't know. Or Roy.
3: Yeah, I am fascinated to see where that is going to go. Because obviously we get that, that episode with Roy and he has to learn um, that Keeley needs space and that's fine. Um, I assume that's just going to be a continuation of that moment um, mm. to kind of really understand... Keely wants and needs um, to sustain a relationship, as well as Roy. I mean, Roy might need to start asserting himself a little bit because if Keely has an issue, Roy is very quick to kind of learn and adapt. Um, maybe we need to see that happening from Keely as well. Any last words?
1: Final thoughts. That's why you always leave
2: a note. Damas, do you have any final thoughts, any side notes?
3: I don't, Brod.
2: Oh, I've always got lots. <laughs> some lines and moments that I liked. All people are different people. I thought it was a lot- wonderful idea. Brilliant. Uh, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Mm-hmm. These are some great uh, <laughs> great thoughts, I thought. So great uh, truth nuggets, wisdom nuggets. Boxer briefs are like clunky exposition. Doesn't leave much to the imagination. Which I was, thought was an interesting thing. That's a very writer's joke, that one. Interesting thing to put into Mm. an episode that was extremely emotionally heavy as well. And there was a lot of exposition, I think, in that episode. Uh, Ted says no, as he's going to find Dr. Sharon. Uh, And then uh, Higgins says, don't let her get away with it, Ted. And then he comes back in and gives him one of his, like, yes, thanks for playing with me moments again, which I loved. I loved the bit with the couple talking um, about falling in love as Richmond supporters. Or whatever game that was. We just cut to this little, like... You know, older couple who have known each other for years and fell in love. Ah, uh, that's supporting the um, their team.
3: when Harry met Sally. Is that what it is? Yeah,
2: right. I know that was the episode that was already full of all the um the rom com stuff. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Did you like that episode? Because I I thought that was quite cute all the way through.
3: Honestly, can you remind me? There was, oh, just
2: in terms it? of like all the like cliches they did rom com cliches like Roy having to run to get to the game to. Become a coach. Oh, that's he right. Yeah, really it's been
3: so long him. since I watched it. Um, yeah, sure. I did actually. I mean, as you know, I love a rom com, even the terrible ones. Um, yeah, fuck yes. And obviously, when they had the when Harry met Sally moment, I was like, nice, um, because that is the greatest rom com of all time.
2: They made a comparison that um, Ted, without his mustache, gets confused with Ed Helms from Yes, um, I like that. Hangover, which is funny because that's something we kind of talked about in our season one review. Uh, some sport truths in here that I like. Uh, Roy's not wrong about pundits being the worst. There is just very little value in people who talk about sport, who can talk and talk and talk and all sorts of bullshit um, compared to what actually happens uh, inside clubs and on the field. Uh, Don't we just do sure... that
3: for TV, though? Like, aren't we, shut pundits? Up,
2: shut up, shut up, Let's not Let's not draw attention to that. Uh-oh.
3: <laughs> move on, move on.
2: Making sure football is still fun is legit part of a lot of clubs ethos. It's like, if you're not having fun playing the game, the reason you fell in love with it, it's no mm. point playing at all. Um, Ted knowing everyone at Richmond absolutely creates a better club. There's that bit. We see him coming into the club and knowing everyone by name and asking them questions. Mm. It's not just about making sure the team is working as a whole. It's about making sure the organization in general was working as a whole. Um, and also, I think just bringing in sports psychology, like it's, it's a really, really important part. It's actually kind of crazy that they didn't have a sports sports psychologist at Richmond already and have one permanently on staff, because that is a very common thing inside professional clubs. Some other little observations: I never realized that there are some pun names in this show before.
3: Mm-hmm. Jamie
2: Tart is a is Jamie Tart, right?
3: Oh, okay.
2: It, it never occurred to me before. It made me think that Roy Kent is actually can't, but like, Roy can't. And it made me go, is there anyone else? Is Keely Jones some sort of pun that I'm not aware of? Is Ted Lasso more than just, you know, the fact that he's got that southern charm? Like, is there something there? I'm wondering, there is uh, a listener in here that lives in the UK who might, if when they watch the show, be able to tell me if there's any others I'm missing that are less obvious. Um... There were alternate titles for the two episodes that were added in late, I noticed as well. We got the puppets for the claymation Mm -hmm. stuff for the Christmas episode and then the very different titles for um, the uh, the Coach Beat episode. I wonder if someone, I'm sure someone is is taking track of all the books that are being read throughout this show. And at the end, mm. of it would be fun to have an article that sort of sums up like, you know, what those books were and philosophically how they tie into the show and the themes of the show. I'm sure someone's doing it. Or if they're not, start doing it now. Maybe we should um, start
3: another podcast where we review <laughs> the Ted, books in Ted Lasso. We'll read one We can do a book month. club based yeah, off Ted club. Lasso. Yep. That actually
2: sounds really fun. I, I'd enjoy that. <laughs> um, it was interesting they called out this pattern that the show now has with Rebecca giving Ted a truth bomb in the second mm-hmm. to last episode of every season. And I wonder if we're going to get one more of those mm. in season three. And in fact, I would put my bet my house on it that they would. Um, so it's their version of like say, the
3: battles that Game of Thrones would do.
2: Basically, yes. But instead it's just uh, like being honest. Finally, fuck you, Piers Morgan. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damask?
3: We've already spoiled that. It was the beard episode. I did not like it.
2: Episode nine, Beard After Hours. I agree it was my least favorite episode. It's not that I didn't like it. It's that it obviously stands out as being apart from the rest of the show. It was a choice between this and the Christmas episode for me. But I do just by nature really like Christmas episodes. Um and so even though it was particularly throwaway and probably was less informative on a character level, I'm going to say that my least favorite was Beard After Hours. It's the one that I feel like if I was going through it, I had to take one out. I'm not going to notice its disappearance all that much. Yeah. Um. Your favorite episode... Oh, and Roy Kent wasn't in that episode, so that's always a minus as well, obviously. Valid. What was your yep. favorite episode, Demas?
3: Oh, I hate when I do this, but I've honestly got to say the last episode... It's just when it like kind of all came together and I was like, fuck yeah, like you, I was, there were moments where I was worried and then this mm-hmm. episode said to me, I ask you don't have to worry, you idiot. We've got it. It's fine. Yeah, we, uh, we got there emotionally for me um, in that scene between Ted and Nate. I was so heartbroken and so angry at the same time. Um, yeah, no, it's got to be the last one for me.
2: I think I agree that it is the last episode as well. Um I I honestly do really like the wedding sorry the wedding so the funeral episode which is called No Weddings and a Funeral. Mm. I really 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 like that episode. It could be it, but I do think the Nate stuff is so that was a great build up to that moment I think throughout the entire season. Um mm. and there is a lot of catharsis in that episode. Um and I really look forward like it, what it does that season 1 didn't necessarily do is promise me what the next season's going to be. And I feel like I've got a really strong idea, apart from like, obviously Richmond had to, to get promoted back into the Premier League. That was going to be... They even said it. At the end of season one, they say, well, I guess next year we'll get promoted back to the Premier League and the year after that we'll go on and win the whole thing. And it's like, mm. yeah, I truly believe that's what the show is doing. It's not trying to pretend it's going to do anything else. And that's yeah. fine. It doesn't have to you know, defy expectations and be Game of Thrones and not have the endings that are predictable. It's about what the journey is along the way. And this show, I'm so confident in what this show is doing and where it's heading. And that last episode really sums it up. Do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns going forward into season three, which we do believe is the last season?
3: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I feel like the show tells us, you know, kind of what to expect of Mm -hmm. next season in a lot of ways. You know, Nate v head Mm -hmm. um i mean how that's going to unfold obviously i don't know the specifics around that but i'm genuinely excited to see where that goes to kind of see nate jump ship and you know align himself with someone like rupert um Mm -hmm. kind of become rupert in a lot of ways uh should be interesting and also i'm i'm interested to know how everyone else feels about it as well I want to see about that unfold. Nate's about leaving. About Nate and leaving. With him. Doing what he did, you know, with the believe sign, um, leaving. And obviously, I assume people will, you know, begin to figure out that Nate was the one who leaked that information about Ted's anxiety. I think I'm wor- I'm worried that Roy and Keeley are going to have a hard time, but end up together, but I'm worried they're going to have I think a hard that's time. very likely. Yes. Um, What else we got? Rebecca, I'd love them to do something else with Rebecca. I'm not really interested in relationship bullshit. I would like to see because obviously it's going to be West Ham v Richmond and obviously Rupert is attached to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like to see her development obviously play out through those two teams kind of clashing. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think the, the big broad stroke here is Richmond v West Ham will mm. happen twice, if not three times in the season. We'll have mm-hmm. from my understanding from the Premier League, each team plays each other twice. They'll play once and then again definitely in the final, which will be, you know, the decider for who takes away the championship. Mm-hmm. Um there might be one in the FA Cup in between. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a third one because I feel like it would add to the complex nature of the finale if there was a win and a loss in there mm. um, before they got to the finale. Nate, it's a question of whether he gets his redemption or his comeuppance. Yeah. and I, It's a question of, yeah, can he redeem himself over the course of the season, like be the bad guy for half a season and then spend the back half of the season sort of, I want to say Zuko moment, like have his redemption back onto the good side and like mm. work his way into and help them achieve full victory or is that going to be like his comeuppance and maybe we get a hint that he's going on the path to redemption. It's going to be a lot of work, but one day, you know, Nate will be able to overcome his demons. Um, I think Jamie, I saw online the suggestion that Jamie's next season will probably be him becoming a bit of a leader. The last act we see him do is having Danny be the one to kick the final goal, Mm -hmm. you know, a real moment of leadership and confidence in his group and trust. I think maybe seeing not Jamie necessarily become captain, but go from being the selfish player to being a real on-field leader and motivator for the team. I think would be lovely I wonder whether the whole show finishes with Ted going back to the US to to be back with his kid and Roy becoming the head coach of Richmond, at which point the show ends at season three and then we get the Roy Kent and Keeley show. Um, and then we can continue to do stuff within Richmond FC if we need to. I'm dead set. I don't, Apple is, I don't really want App, that. Apple's not going to let this go. There's no way they, they do, there's no way Apple says after three seasons, and you're the most popular show we've got on this channel and you're winning a semi-awards. You can just end after three seasons. They're going to have to find a way to, to continue this in some way. I wonder whether it's going to be a spin-off that just doesn't involve Ted so much. Maybe he comes in and out occasionally, but it's no longer Ted Lasso, if that makes sense. Mm. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. Thank you for everyone who joined us in our stream today and uh, chatted along. Uh, You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at b That's B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask.
3: You can find me on Twitter at maskimo m a s k y m double o. But I will say I really kind of only tweet about Real Housewives, so just get ready for that. <laughs>
2: hey, if you listen to off topic off topic hot topic episodes, we well, that's all you really watch. That's uh, true. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss only murders in the building season one. No guarantees we'll be streaming that one, but this is a fun experiment. We'll probably do it again in the future. I just don't know when it will be. <laughs> In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now.
3: Bye. Bye, everybody. And so Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.